0: Welcome to this episode of Specialty Lenses Unplugged, where the goal is to see the specialty contact lens field thrive and grow for patients, for their families, for eye care providers, and for those companies that develop and fabricate the lenses, devices, and other products that make it all happen. Each of our episodes features guests where we get to learn about their area of expertise, as well as to get them know better by delving into their professional lives. I'm Craig Norman, and as your host, I get the distinct pleasure of bringing to you insights from world authorities in the contact lens field. Today, we have three guests with us, beginning with, Dr. Vic McCray is a co-founder of Tangible Sciences and serves as his president and chief executive officer where he leads commercialization of technology to improve contact lens comfort for patients suffering from dry eye disease. Involved at the inception, Vic has seen the company through several important milestones, including the initial proof of concept, venture funding and the ongoing business development and licensing negotiations. He received his medical degree from the University of Illinois and completed a residency in general surgery at the University of California, San Francisco, Fresno. He also received formal training in medical device innovation at Stanford University Biodesign, and has served as a guest lecturer in entrepreneurship and innovation at several universities worldwide. Vic has authored several research publications, and as an inventor, uh, he has several pending patents. And additionally, he finds time to perform as a general surgeon in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Dr. Vic McCray, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Craig. I'd also like to introduce Brandon Felkins. Brandon is a co-founder and Chief Operating Officer of Tangible Science with over 10 years experience developing medical technology. Prior to co-founding Tangible Science, Brandon held key positions at several medical device startups and consulting companies and has provided engineering and product development support to numerous companies in multiple clinical areas, including cardiology, spine, orthopedics, neurology, and endoscopy. Brandon graduated from the Stanford Biodesign Fellowship Program in 2011 and holds a BS degree in mechanical engineering from California Polytechnic State University, San Luis Obispo.
1: Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with you today.
0: Okay, that's great. We also have with us Karen Havenstreet. Karen is a co-founder of Tangible Science and serves as Chief Technical Officer. She's been with Tangible Science since its inception and uh, has been the lead in the development of the HydroPeg technology from conception to commercialization. Karen received Her PhD in chemical engineering from Stanford University, where her thesis work focused on designing hydrogen materials to improve the regenerative properties of muscle stem cells. She also received her MBA from Stanford University. Karen has authorized or has authored, excuse me, multiple research publications has been awarded SBIR grants from the National Science Foundation and has been recognized by the American Chemical Society as a talented 12 young scientist for a novel work on contact lens materials. Welcome, Karen.
2: Thanks, Gregory. Excited to be here.
0: Uh, The the excitement is really mine. Uh, It's interesting reading all of your bios that the one common thread here is Stanford. I just thought I would let you know that I'm broadcasting to you today three miles directly north of the Notre Dame football stadium, and I hope when we visit Stanford this year, we kick your guys' butts. I'll get that out of the way early uh, and um, not leave that at all for the end. So I've really been looking forward to uh, chatting with you guys on a number of different levels. Uh, First of all, in the contact lens field, uh, there are Very few people that have their work started in Silicon Valley like you guys have. Uh, And you come at this from a much different area than our usual guests, which are usually eye doctors or possibly manufacturers uh, of uh, particular lenses. Uh, But your story is actually totally different. And I'd like to start with Dr. Vic McRae, if I could. Vic, can you tell us uh, exactly how from your perspective, the whole idea behind tangible sciences originated?
3: Absolutely, Craig, happy to. Um, The idea behind tangible science originated in 2010 when Brandon and myself were participating in the Stanford Biodesign Innovation Fellowship, which is a program that teaches doctors and engineers and business people how to identify clinical problems in any field of medicine and to invent solutions to solve those problems. Uh, For our year at Stanford, we were put in the field of ophthalmology and had the opportunity to to work really closely with ophthalmologists and optometrists at Stanford to identify many of the key problems that they faced and their patients faced in their day to day lives. Uh, We saw several patients who complained of uh, discomfort of the contact lenses. And that caused us to do a really deep dive into uh, the root cause of those problems. Uh, around the same time, Brandon and I met Karen, who was completing her PhD in chemical engineering with a focus on biomaterials. And we began to collaborate on ways that we could solve this problem. And out of that collaboration uh, was uh, gave the birth to Tangible Science. So
0: that's that's excellent. So Brandon, I noticed that you were involved with a number of different um, companies in different clinical areas. Had you had anything or any experience in the field of eyes prior to this time?
1: Um, Absolutely not. So I was in no way qualified to start a contact lens company. Yeah, so that's actually a good place to start. You don't carry a lot of baggage when you don't know anything
0: about the particular field. And I think that from the standpoint of a a startup company, that that can be quite helpful. You haven't built in already all the reasons why something won't work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that was uh, one thing we learned during the biodesign program was that, you know, having a lot of industry knowledge and expertise can be really helpful. However, like you alluded to, it can also um, potentially put you in a certain place of thinking, and it might be hard to see some outside uh, perspectives and ideas and how to tackle a different problem. So, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, t- during that time, did you get to choose ophthalmology or were you just assigned to that particular area? Uh, we were assigned that particular area. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And then, so Karen, yeah, uh, then you met up with these guys around this time. And. I did began to talk through ideas on, on how you could solve this, these issues related to comfort and, and dry eye. Had you had any experience directly with contact lens materials before?
2: Um, no, I actually had yeah I had no experience with contact lens materials. Um, I had spent my thesis work working on hydrogels though, uh, which are you know used for contact lenses. But I was mm-hmm. working on very different hydrogels than the ones that are currently used in contact lenses or had been s- previously used.
0: Okay, so they were hydrogels for different biomedical use.
2: Yeah, so we were um, actually designing. My um, project was to try to design materials to match the properties of tissue. So we were working on matching muscle tissue and like the stiffness of the tissue. And the hypothesis was that if you can make materials that more closely match uh, the body's tissues, then when you grow cells on them, they'll survive more. They'll grow and proliferate and keep their regenerative potential. Um, so all the materials that I was working on were, were designed trying to basically think about the best way to keep cells happy.
0: Yep. So, um, Vic, if I can go to you, so take, take us back then. So you, you guys have this idea, and did you start, like, meeting at Starbucks and coming up with a dream about a company, or
3: how did things evolve at that point? That's essentially, um, you know, the Silicon Valley story. Uh, you have three people who know nothing about a problem, who have an idea, and they somehow figure out a way to realize that idea, and, and that's pretty much what we did. Um, again, you know, as you recognize, none of us had any significant experience uh, in the contact lens space, and I think that is what allowed us uh, to really believe that we could fix this problem where I think if we were experts in the field, we would have realized very early on how difficult a problem contact lens, uh, discomfort really was. And we may not have even tried to go down this pathway. Um, but because we were novices, it, it really allowed us to approach the problem with a very naive mind. And, uh, we started to, Um, do a lot of brainstorming together um, at coffee shops um, like Starbucks and had our first real concept idea that we then began to develop a plan of how to execute upon
0: okay so to get a company like yours off the ground Brandon I'm, I'm gonna ask you about this you obviously once you get by this this thought process stage and you think you have a widget in the contact lens area, you need to have money so were you able to do that through grants, or did you need to reach out for other type of um funding
1: yeah we did so um you know initially for most of these projects um, ours included. When you start out, you, you're really scrappy, and you just you, know, you do what they kind of call bootstrapping, which is you either use your own money, or you know we did some business plan competitions, and we, we, we got some funds from those. So, you're, but the real goal is just to identify the key issues that you need to work out first, and do those as quickly and cheaply as possible. Because I mean, the approach is really you know, you're trying to kill the idea actually as quickly as you can, so that way you end up not wasting you know your time and you know money and resources moving forward. And, Ideally, if you, if you can't kill the idea, then you, you start to realize that you're onto something. So in the beginning, um, it was just a lot of sweat equity, but we did have some business plan money. Um, we applied for some SBIR grants and we rewarded those. And then um, right about the time we received that, um, we also raised our, you know, our first round of uh, venture funding.
2: And that I process been- was
1: about two years in, in total before we raised our first round. Right, right.
0: Of course, I did look up the history of the company on crunch years, which is terrific because there obviously is the investment community that believes in the idea. Karen, can you share with us a little bit exactly what the first product is here that put uh, tangible sciences on the map?
2: Yeah, so tangible Hydropeg was the first product that we were able to launch and get out to patients. Um, And it is essentially a very soft, hydrated um, hydrogel coating that can be applied to rigid gas permeable lenses. So the way that I kind of think about it is it's essentially like applying a very thin layer of a soft lens um, to fully encapsulate um, a, a custom GP lens. Which really makes that surface much more biocompatible and makes the tear film interact with it uh, better, so that it can improve improve comfort.
0: So this, this um, the, the hydropeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is the thickness of that as it covers? We'll, we'll stick with GP lenses for the moment.
2: Yeah. So the thickness is um, really less than a hundred nanometers. So that thickness. Um, Means it's it's several molecules thick, so that it's kind of like a completely hiding the lens, but it's so thin that it doesn't uh, interfere with oxygen transmission or optical properties. And that was really what we were going for. So it's it's really ultra thin, um, but thick enough to completely hide the underlying lens from the ocular environment.
0: And Karen, so the chemical basis of this, the PEG, can you explain that to us?
2: Yes, I I can um, give an explanation. So it is, um, you know, the the polymer, it's called HydroPEG, but it actually consists of um, PEG and also a polymer that's a proprietary one that we Mm -hmm. developed. Mm -hmm. And that polymer is actually designed to mimic the mucin layer that's already on the surface of the eye. So it's it's kind of... um, designed to have properties that will more closely match the tissue. So, for example, when you feel a hydropeg coated lens, it's really slippery and lubricious, and that's something that that polymer uh, is designed to, to have that lubricity. And also, it holds onto the water. So, you know, if you dip a lens that's coated into to saline or water, you'll see that the, the water really spreads. And so the, the chemical, the polymer, is just designed to um, mimic what your eye what your what the molecules in your eye naturally look like
0: okay because of course we know the job of mucin is to hold the watery layer of our tears on the eye and Mm -hmm. so what you're saying in essence that's the same thing that your magic proprietary component is doing um to hold the rest of this chemical structure on the lens surface keeping it wet
2: yep yes exactly
0: Okay. So Vic, so you guys come up with this and you think you have a product. Um, What was your first steps then to get believers in the contact lens field that you had something?
3: Yeah, so we knew that we had to uh, get some clinical data to show that the coating actually performed the way that it was designed to perform and, and improve the wearing experience for patients. And we were fortunate to work with um, some really forward-thinking optometrists in the field that believed in the technology and saw the significant uh, clinical need and were on the forefront of testing um, our coding on GP lenses um, for some of their really challenging patients. And this allowed us to gain a bit of traction um, in the optometric community and also uh, in the industry, uh, which allowed us to develop the commercial partnerships that were essential uh, for us to launch Tangible hydropack Sure.
0: You know, I, I've shared this with you recently when we had a chance to chat, but I vividly remember when I was still running the Global Specialty Lens Symposium, and and you know I prided myself on knowing every little bit of that whole meeting from start to finish. And I remember the day before the meeting was getting set up, and you guys are putting your booth together there. And I remember clearly walking up to you and basically saying, "Who the hell are you guys?" And, <laughs> and of course, the name was not Tangible Sciences at that time, right? It, it right, it was Ocular Dynamics. Yeah, Ocular Dynamics. And, <laughs> and, and I remember that you guys were also saying, well, we don't really know too many people here either. We're going to give this a shot. And so was that the first time you had been to an exhibition or had you
3: gone to a meeting before then? Uh, I, I believe that um, our first meeting was a, a CLMA uh, meeting, a contact lens lab meeting, uh, which was our first one. And I believe that GSLS uh, where we met you, uh, and exhibited uh, was our second meeting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, th- you know, th- that is wonderful. And then, um, Brandon, can you tell us then how did things develop from there? You, you've you had the proof of, of how the product works. You had some interest in it from the clinical studies. Um, was it easy to be able to bring this to market then? Did the laboratories all just line up with their checkbooks and say, we're ready to buy in?
1: Yeah, well, fortunately, that's absolutely what happened. All the laboratories lined up and showered us with money. Um, no, that, that, is, that is actually not what happened. So um, what's interesting is, uh, yeah, so with, with the coding technology, so first of all, it's a, you know, it's an FDA you know, regulated technology, right? And what's interesting is you, we couldn't get FDA approval or clearance on the coding itself. It had to be in conjunction with a specific lens material. So the challenge there was we had to find and convince one of the button manufacturers to then partner with us to get that clearance, and then we could authorize labs who were using that material um, you know, to, to make lenses. So fortunately, you know, we, um, we met with Contamac, uh, Marty Dalsing specifically. Um, mm-hmm. and actually it's funny, so the first, <laughs> everybody, if you don't know Marty, he's, he's very tall, he has very long flowing hair. Um, you know, we spoke with him over the phone a few times and we actually got to meet him in person we met him at a restaurant and then uh you know in he walked right and he, even though we were inside i felt like the wind was still you know blowing his hair in the background um but uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah we had a great meeting with him um it was really clear that you know the you know our philosophy and his philosophy were very much aligned so he he really became a champion for the technology you know uh, Con- marty and uh Contumac as well early on um, so he, um, in terms of setting up meetings and introducing us to the lab network, he really helped us tremendously to do that by facilitating those relationships. And that, in turn, uh, informed us on how we would have to shape the technology specifically. You know, how do you actually apply the coding to the surface of the lenses? Because um, it's, it's not a trivial step. So um, we learned a lot. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was all due to, um, yeah, those early relationships that, uh, you know, Marty and Contameca uh, you know, helped yeah. us develop.
0: Yeah, that, that is terrific. And of course, in full disclosure, Contamac is also supporting this podcast. I thought I would just mention that. And also partly because of Marty's vision that uh, he could see the need for something like this. So he uh, he's a man who's really done quite a bit within the contact lens field for sure. So um, if we can, Karen, can you explain a little bit then? So I'm XYZ Lab. I've decided that this sounds good. I have a lot of questions, though, because I've been down the path before with plasma treatment, which came into our field with it's going to be the savior of wetting issues on the surface of lenses. Um, And and then if I agree to do this, how does it work? Do you coat the lenses for me, or do I coat the lenses myself before I send them to a doctor from the laboratory? Can you explain that process?
2: Yeah, so once the lab was interested uh, in being able to coat lenses, actually what we do is we transfer the whole coating process to that manufacturer. And I have had the great pleasure of visiting every manufacturer that we've installed uh, around the world. And so essentially, we go there and we um, install all of the equipment and run um, process checks to make sure that the coating quality will be great. And then the lab is all set up and can coat coat any, coat any lenses that are FDA-approved.
0: Okay, great. And uh, so is the process proprietary, or is that something that you can discuss?
2: Um, no, I can discuss that. So the process uh, is, we tried to make it relatively straightforward, but essentially um, the lens gets made as normal. And then we make sure that it's very clean, that the surface is really clean, so that the coating will adhere well. So once the lens is clean, then it gets plasma treated um, using a slightly different recipe than the normal type of plasma treatment. And you know, plasma treatment is essentially just a way to extra clean the surface of mm-hmm. the lens. So it cleans it, and then it actually etches away a very small amount. And that makes it chemically reactive to our coating. So after plasma treatment, then the lens gets put in our proprietary solution where it sits uh, for about an hour and a half at uh, 37 degrees Celsius, so just slightly heated. And it gets um, shaken during that time. And then after an hour and a half, the coating has essentially just like grown or self-assembled on the outside of the lens. And then it's done. So it's just a quick plasma treatment and then soak in our solution.
0: Right, right. And so from what I remember, of course, it happened with GPs first, with both corneal lenses and with sclerals, Uh, and then the company developed relationships in the hybrid arena. Uh, And, you know, most recently, there's also relationships, uh, for instance, like with the hybrid company for the use of it within soft contact lenses also. So there's quite a big variety where the uh, system is being used. Uh, And I'll ask this of you, Vic, if I can, uh, Karen mentioned this, but how many different countries
3: uh, is the system in place in? Uh, That's a good question. And um, every week we tend to expand into um, a new lab in a new country. Uh, I believe we are in about 10 countries now on four different continents. Um, So expanding very quickly um, as the benefits of this technology uh, spread uh, throughout the laboratory community worldwide. Right, right.
0: Did, um, Brandon, did, when you came up with the technology, did you ever consider trying to go to one of the big boys, you know, one of the big four with this technology, or was the market always to go through the smaller laboratory network
1: first? Uh, great question. Um, so we did, you know, approach and have conversations with you know, the big four companies, um, mostly regarding, you know, disposable lenses. Um, and we we did do, do some, some research and, we worked with them, but ultimately, you know, for a variety of reasons um, not related to the technology, it, it didn't make sense. Um, so then at that point, we really focused on, you know, the custom market, and uh, which I think is great because that's really where we saw, you know, the biggest clinical need, quite frankly, was with custom lenses. So I think that was a great place to, you know, test the technology, demonstrate that it works. And once we're able to, you know, show benefit there for, you know, the patients that need it the most, you know, expanding it into disposable lenses was then kind of the next, uh, next best and kind of obvious step
0: sure i guess brandon one of the beauties also is if you go through the custom laboratory network there's not layers of management to get an idea through uh, you're usually you know discussing this with the key decision maker right then and there very possibly the same one that knows how to manufacture the lenses and everything else about their business
1: Oh, yeah, that's very true. That's you know, as Karen mentioned you know she's visited every single lab uh, we have twenty nine now um in the u s and internationally twenty nine labs that are u- utilizing the technology and the custom lenses and I visited probably about half of them and I think the coolest thing is you yeah, like you like you said, you get there and the the owners of the business are quite often the same people or at least at one point were you know actually making the lenses, and you can kind of see that um you know that the passion they have for the industry for helping the patients the practitioners you know it's, it definitely comes through so i think that's probably been one of the more you know pleasurable things about this company is getting to work with you know this like-minded community of, of people who really who really care yep that's terrific
0: so karen so tell us so the process is on the lens how long does it last and do you have any strategies to help it live longer after the initial application
2: yeah. So, um, you know, the the coating is permanently bonded to the lens, but it is a, a, a soft, you know, hydrogel coating. And so, depending on how much friction is on the surface, it can make that layer get thinner and thinner over time, um, which can, you know, uh, ultimately change a little bit the surface properties. So, if you have a really dry eye and there's a lot of friction on that lens then the you know the coating may get thinner a lot faster so i think we see patients where it lasts for one or two years to the whole wearing cycle and some other patients who have a lot of um, friction on the eye where it lasts less long than that and one of, that's one of the reasons why we've been developing a new product that um, will actually replenish the thickness of that coating so patients will be able to use it once a month and um, treat their lenses at home so it will just be a simple soak in the solution and that will actually rejuvenate that coating and um, you know make it last longer for those patients who need who have more need for this.
0: Mm-hmm. And that product is available today?
2: Sorry, no. So that product um, is currently under review at the FDA. So we're hoping that it will be available soon, um, sometime in 2020.
0: Okay, okay, great. And uh, are there any other um, solutions, uh, Vic, I'll ask you this, that uh, you have to work with the lens? Or is it primarily just the one that Karen just spoke of?
3: Absolutely. Um, once we launched the tangible hydropaic coating, we realized how critical the entire care regimen that patients used uh, really was in order to optimize their contact lens wearing experience. And therefore, we began to think more holistically um, about the contact lens surface and the contact lens care regimen in order to create an entire system of care for the patients that starts with the tangible hydropaic coating um, being applied at the laboratory level when doctors order the lenses. And we also have tangible clean, which is a multi-purpose daily cleaning, disinfecting, and soaking solution, which we selected for uh, its optimal ability to maintain the thickness uh, of the hydropaic coating through multiple cleaning cycles without um, causing a lot of abrasion damage to the coating. Uh, and that tangible clean product is available today uh, through several of our lab partners and also through our website. Uh, and tangible boost is the third part of that coating system, which as Karen mentioned, was designed to actually rebuild and rejuvenate the coating uh, to ensure that patients can benefit from uh, the tangible hydropeg coating properties throughout the entire wearing cycle of their gp lenses
0: okay so at this point you talk in terms of there's three elements there's the hydropeg coating there's the tangible clean and then in the future this other solution called boost that's correct okay great so brandon looking at the marketplace what percentage of the custom lens laboratories can you estimate are using tangible HydroPig today?
1: Yeah, great question. So, in the U.S., I would say the majority, if not all of them, um yeah, there's, there's probably a few that aren't, but the, the, definitely the major ones. So, we have 17 labs in the United States that are using the technology, and then we have another 13, uh, 11 to 13 outside the United States that are using it, and then a a queue of probably another half a dozen or so more that plan to implement it you know over the next year or so so i think you know in terms of the us we have pretty much complete coverage and then you know growing internationally as well at a, at a good pace okay okay that that is great do do you foresee and can you
0: give us a little peek about what the um without giving away any trade secrets of court but is there another new product that is going to follow this up Uh, in particular for contact lenses?
1: For contact lenses. So yeah, as Karen and Vic mentioned, in the custom space, we have Boost, which is uh, coming out hopefully in early 2020. So that's the one we're most focused on right now and in the custom space. And then um, in the disposable space, we have a pretty, um, we have a a new lens, a silicone hydrogel lens that incorporates a version of the tangible hydropeg technology that's been adapted specifically for disposable lenses and that um that lens will be coming out soon as well with a with a partner, which I, I can't disclose at this point, but that'll be uh that's in the works and uh, coming soon. we're very excited about that okay great
0: um Karen, so tell us, is there the possibility to use this same technology in areas other than contact lenses
2: um yeah, I think that we um you know we are exploring other potential uses. So, for example, um, in implants, because one what the coating is really good at is, you know, hiding the device from the body, and so there are a lot of applications where it's useful to do that to minimize the immune response. Um, that being said, up to this point, we've really tried to focus just on contact lenses, um, but we're looking forward in the future to see if the coating can be used for other other applications.
0: Okay okay that that's that's terrific. I I think the technology is really so interesting from the standpoint that it's been so well accepted within the community it's now it's almost like you see with many products it's like I'm aging myself a little bit but it's talking about the intel inside you know to have the uh hydropeg uh, is really a a, a looked at as a benefit for the manufacturers as they come to market with it, is we could see by just a couple of the button people in the last few months, you know, that made a big deal out of them finally getting approval for it with their material. And it's great to see that um, that is uh, actually continuing. So Vic, if you are looking in your crystal ball, what, what do you see uh, for the company in five years and in 10 years, which is kind of interesting to ask a startup because the company's only
3: six or seven years old, right? Right. i see. Eight years old at this point, I guess. Right. As a, as a small startup company, it's always challenging, um, to see more than about six to 12 months in the future because things, um, fortunately things change very quickly. Um, and, and, you know in most cases those are positive changes for the company um, if I had to guess over the next five years I would um, guess that you know we will continue to uh, expand upon our product offerings both in the uh, custom and the disposable contact lens space um, you know one thing we do want to mention is uh, we were really happy to be able to um, ex- expand the use of our coding into disposable lenses because Um, Although uh, custom contact lens patients experience the most discomfort of contact lenses, uh, there still remains a significant problem with discomfort in in the disposable space. And uh, we've launched our first hydrogel lens um, with our partner, Synergize. And as Brandon mentioned, we're really excited about um, launching our first silicone hydrogel lens with another partner um, in the next two weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, I anticipate we will continue to uh, innovate both in the custom and the uh, disposable space. Um, We're excited about uh, a number of partnerships uh, that we have in the smart contact lens space um, with some really innovative core lens technologies um, that will uh, enable a lot more functionality into contact lenses, and I think over the next five years or so, we will begin to see more and more technologically advanced contact lenses on the market. Um, As Karen mentioned, uh, we're also looking at um, a a few technologies outside of the contact lens space, and we look forward to expanding um, our company into some of those spaces as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. It is interesting to hear you say, though, Vic, that as a startup, you can't look farther than six to 12 months ahead. I'm sure it seems like not that long ago when you were hoping to survive for six to 12 more days, uh, much less that much longer when you were really
3: getting the company off the ground. Absolutely. Um, You know, running a startup is is it's glamorous on the surface, um, but it's a lot of hard work and really a risky endeavor um, when you are, are trying to implement it. Um, and you have to, and we learned as a team um, to become really comfortable uh, with uncertainty. And, and that's where we always have to have a, a big picture view of where the company's headed, um, but we really have to be focused on the near term in order to execute and implement on the things that are right in front of us in order to keep the company moving and keep the company growing so that's been an exercise ever since the company was founded uh, that we've all had to do really really well in order to uh, continue to grow the company and and enable products to, to reach patients
0: right you know you often heard hear it said that you know to be an entrepreneur you have to be willing to live with risk uh, but I heard something recently that put in an even better perspective. It said that to be a true entrepreneur, you have to continue driving forward because you can't understand why everybody else doesn't understand what a great idea it is you have. That <laughs> that uh, That's what keeps you moving because ultimately you think that they will believe that. Um, so, Brandon, let me ask you. So, of course, you guys have this experience with the um, – Stanford Biodesign Fellowship Program. Does that network continue to help you even today?
1: Yes, it does, absolutely. So I mean, that network, there's probably, you know, so the program we're in is called the Fellowship Program. So I think now there's about 180 fellows, alumni fellows of that program have participated. But that program is really tied into, you know, the network in Silicon Valley, you know, the venture capitalists, the, all the vendors and suppliers, and pretty, you know, the you know, the corporate side of everything, you know, the attorneys, the IP. So basically all those pieces are really well tied into. So yeah, so our network that we got from that program is invaluable and even, you know, to this day, it still serves us um, in a variety of different ways. You know, even something as simple as we need a piece of equipment, you know, we can send an email blast really quickly and, you know, somebody in our network has it or knows of it. And so instead of having to go buy it, we can just go swing by somebody's office and, you know, use it for an hour. So simple things like that um, are you to continue to be really helpful. I think that the the magic of you know Silicon Valley is it's the, it's you know the all the people here who are they have that same attitude of you know really helping helping each other out and making sure the community you know as a whole continues to to grow. So it's a it's been really beneficial. Yeah, yeah. I think you know
0: looking at this from afar, it really is fantastic what uh, Stanford as a university has done to em- embrace those technological changes and do whatever they can to move it forward. So many universities across the U.S. were slow to catch up with that, that they w- they didn't look at it uh, in the same manner that for instance Stanford does or Wharton does uh, and they're trying to play catch up right now to be able to do that and it's terrific to be able to have that network that you uh, just described. So guys, uh, if we Look at the uh, contact lens field, and I'll start with you on this, Karen. Um, do you think that from your perspective as being a company that just partners with other companies, do you feel pretty good about the, the health of the contact lens field going forward?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, an exciting time to be in contact lenses. Um, there's an opportunity to you know, improve on materials or continue to improve on materials. Um, but also, I think there's a lot of innovation in smart contact lenses. And you know, that's a, it's exciting to, to get to see all of the innovation that's happening in that area as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I know that uh, both you and Vic had mentioned the smart contact lens, and I think it's so fascinating. Uh, in particular, it's fascinating because the, you know, historically, we've paid all our attention in contact lenses on on achieving the fit of the lens and achieving the optics of the lens. and But in the smart lens arena, there's just so many other things that this device is going to be able to do. It's boundless on what can actually be accomplished
2: yeah definitely so uh
0: as we start to think about wrapping this up today uh Vic, do you have anything at all that you would like to say to our listeners
3: um I, I really you know we we owe a debt of gratitude to um a lot of individuals and a number of companies and a number of optometrists um who've really helped tangible science um Become what it is becoming and, and will continue to become, uh, and without those individuals and in those companies, it would have been impossible for us to achieve what we've been able to achieve. So, you know, from the the bottom of all of our hearts, we'd like to just say, you know, thank you, and we feel very fortunate um, to have been able to bring a number of products uh, to the market to help patients and to help doctors deliver the excellent care that they have been delivering to patients for, for decades. Um, so I, I really, really just want to um, you know impress upon the audience that um, you know no accomplishments that you see uh, in this industry happen in a vacuum alone, and it's usually a, a collaboration of a lot of different parts that have, have to come together uh, in order to make any of this work. Yeah, that that is really nicely
0: said. Uh, I would mention, though, that uh, you and your team are an easy group to like, and that, that helps quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that as you've seen that, you know, over the past few years, that all of you have developed some really close relationships uh, within the industry. Brandon, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Um, <laughs> it'd be kind of hard to top that. So I think uh, just <laughs> echoing the sentiment of gratitude, um, I think it really – You know, I think everyone in this industry is really focused on, you know, making sure that the patients receive the best care and treatment possible. And I think we're just happy to be part of that and recognize that it it takes a community and a village of, um, you know, companies, practitioners, scientists, and everybody. And like Vic said, there's just so many names that, uh, too many names to mention, but uh, for everyone that we've worked with, thank you so much. And uh, we're looking forward to working with you in the future and bringing about even more innovation for patients. Okay. That's great. And then, Karen, how about a few words from you?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I of course echoing everything Vic and Brandon said. It's been really great to work in this industry. Um, I've been very fortunate to be able to travel to all of these manufacturing labs, and it's just been an amazing experience. Um, everybody's so passionate about the industry, and it's been—it's actually just been a lot of fun to to do that um and also you know for me having invented this technology and having seen it from you know the very beginning when it was just an idea to be able to go to conferences and you know actually hear doctors who come up and tell me like this really made a difference in my patient's life um you know hearing that is just you know makes me feel so happy so um yeah it's been a it's been a really fun experience
0: Well, and I think that all of you should feel good about that, that you just need to look at some of the social media aspects related to specialty contact lenses. And there are stories about how HydroPeg has positively impacted patients that suffered from severe dry eye or the ones that really stand out that have had a history of uh, because of dryness and and other issues have – built up a lot of films and deposits on lenses that don't occur once it's taking place. Uh, So I I think you all should feel really, really uh, very good about that. Speaking for the industry, I have to say we're really happy that you have achieved this level of success. I mentioned before, it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. And I think it has helped to really move the contact lens field forward and it appears from everything that you've been saying today that it's going to continue so uh, over the uh, next few years and for that we really wish you uh, the best of luck in the future. And to our listeners, we'd like to thank all of you for joining this episode of Specialty Lenses Unplugged. It's been a pleasure to have the team uh, from Tangible Sciences here with us and I want to also thank CONIMAC for supporting this podcast endeavor and the Penn Division team for their production expertise. Please join us for future episodes of Specialty Lenses Unplugged and visit our website at lensesunplugged.com to listen to any of our episodes and learn more about our guests. I appreciate very much you listening. Take care.